Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome to the Four Feathers podcast. No, I am not Jonathan Nani. In fact, I am Ronald Luce, and I am joined by the one, the only Mr. Anthony Marchese. Tony, my friend, uh, first off, happy holidays to you. First time we've uh, seen each other on a camera since Christmas. How are you doing, my friend? Happy happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you as well, Ronald. Uh, crack um, cheers to uh, a Friday night. Um, we got to take in a game together this week. I know we weren't on the mic, but we were at the UC, so that was fun. I'm doing well. How about well, you? I, I am also doing well, and like you said, uh, we got to partake in some Blackhawks fun for the holidays. Uh, both Tony and I were at the game uh, against Winnipeg on Wednesday. It was a lot of fun, We'll, uh, but we'll get that here a little bit later in the show uh, because we want to remind always everybody, as always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at four feathers pod. Also rate subscribe review. We appreciate you like subscribe to the YouTube, hit the bell button. You always know when all our shows go live, you know, the drill on tap sportsnet.com at on tap sportsnet on the socials. We appreciate all of you's Blackhawks lost yes, tonight, Tony, uh, in very unfortunate manner because it was a five, four OT loss at the hands of the Dallas stars. This is an interesting set with Dallas because they played Dallas again, on Sunday, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But Hawks jump out early, Tone. That's where things got started. A 2-0 lead for the Hawks. Tyler Johnson, Cole Gutman getting after it, giving the Hawks some early momentum. Where Where's this start been from this team for a while? You know, Ron, we saw some of this a little bit when we were at the UC the other night. Um, some hot starts lately, getting on the board. I know that uh, in... Uh, the the home game that you and I were both at, there was a, a nice 10-minute stretch of the Hawks not even being able to put a shot on the net, and then they were able to come through and get a goal. Uh, I, I sort of felt like this was a little bit of a repeat to that. The first few minutes of this game, it was all Dallas to me, at least from what I observed. And then the Hawks were able to sneak one by, get a little bit of momentum. I, I like that. You sort of weather the initial storm. Uh, fresh legs from uh, your opposition and then go get on the board. Um, very big fan of, of the last two starts, actually. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I'll i be honest with you, Tone. I am a little bit on the flip-flop of that. I thought against Winnipeg, uh, they did not get out to a very good start. Uh, and in this one, I think it was okay. But you got to love the early tallies from the boys. Um, especially Tyler Johnson getting on the board. Johnny's here, as we said, from Four Feathers this evening. Cole Gutman, nice seeing him back in the lineup. He gets one in early, gives the Hawks that 2-0 lead. But Dallas roars back tone because four unanswered goals ultimately made this a 4-2 contest well into the second period. At that point, Tony, I don't know about you, but I was stressing a little bit uh, about the Hawks being competitive in this one because Dallas broke it open quickly. Yes, they did. And, you know, Ron, Dallas is a great fucking hockey team. I mean, the Stanley Cup contender, they're just miles and miles better than the Blackhawks. So at some point you expected them to sort of pour it on. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, you saw the Hawks get out to this lead and then it sort of slips away. You've seen this team give up leads like it's their job this season. Um, and, and if you want to bring up uh, bad memories, we can go back to uh, the Saturday of Christmas weekend where the team sort of just absolutely blows what is probably the worst game uh, or worst lead that they've blown all season. And, you know, 
you would sort of expect the Dallas Stars to do this to the Hawks, and and they did. I mean, you're still down Seth Jones. There's still a lot of weaknesses in the defensive core here. Everybody's sort of getting back up to speed. Uh, it's sort of what you expected, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit, Tone, uh, but I'll tell you what I didn't expect, and that was the Hawks to roar back the way they did. This, to me, Tony, is a theme I've been picking up with the Hawks now this game, as well as that Winnipeg game. They come on strong late, and they did that in this one because Jason Dickinson, new career high in goals, 12 on the season. Uh, he makes it 4-3, and it's it's funny because they scored, and uh, I was talking to, to Miss Katie, and we were having the discussion. She goes, what if they come back and they tie it and they go to overtime if Bedard wins it again? And I was like, I mean, that would be really cool, but – I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're down four, two. It's not going to happen. Well, then Dickinson scored maybe a minute and a half after it. I was like, well, four, three and tone. They kept riding that because then eventually four, four, a late power play. The Hawks tie it. It's Tyler Johnson second of the game. And at that point we're going to OT and tone. I'm starting to have, you know, deja vu of Wednesday because we're heading to overtime and this Hawks team has a chance to win it. and. Would we get another number 98 magical moment out of Connor Bedard in this one? That was at least my thought heading into the extra period. Thought so as well, Ron. I really like Tyler Johnson's game tonight, too. Him and Cole Gutman really stood out to me. Um, but as we head into this overtime period, Ron, I've got a bone to pick. I'm a little, I'm a little upset about this. Dallas comes out and just sort of rags the puck around. It was very obvious what the strategy was and the scouting report on the Blackhawks in overtime is. Wait Bedard out all you have to do is wait Bedard out wait for that that line change to come and then you can start some offensive attack it was almost as if they waited Nick Foligno off the ice as well uh, to get to some of the more inexperienced Blackhawks took them quite a few minutes uh, but in the final minute they're able to put one by uh, Peter Mrazek for the win but in terms of overtime periods that was probably the least stress-inducing most frustrating Overtime, I think I've watched in a while. Uh, I, I don't like the ability to just sort of rag that puck back. Um, there's not really much of a defense for it, Ron, because if you start pressing guys, uh, it leads to uh, breakaways and shots up the ice uh, for your opposition. So you sort of just stall Connor Bedard out there for a minute, minute and a half. He's off the ice. And that's really the Blackhawks' offense right now, Ron. There's there's not much else there that's going to be as effective in the three-on-three -three as uh, a guy like Connor Bedard. So I didn't like that overtime one bit. Yeah, it, it definitely did feel and look different than some of the latest. Uh, I agree with you there, Tone. Uh, obviously, the Hawks lose this one in the final seconds of overtime. And at the end of the day, like you said, Tony, it just it, it's it's a it's an argument now that people are having about the three on three of oh how do we wait regulation wins to be more points and not encourage going OT and like that was what three on three was supposed to prevent was games going to shootouts and ultimately determining you know a, a non hockey activity quote unquote de determining a hockey game and so I, I agree with you there, Tony, because I didn't like that one bit. It, it gives that argument another validation. And it's like, no, the three-on-three -three was supposed to fix this. And anytime we see that, I think, from a, an opposition, that's what makes it really, really, really irritating. Well, I'll say this, Ron. If the Blackhawks have a deeper forward group, you probably don't see that as much. 
at this at this juncture for the Blackhawks, it's very easy for an opponent to sort of wait out Connor Bedard and and get to some more inexperienced guys, get to some more inexperienced defensemen. Uh, the whole thing is is very top heavy for the Blackhawks right now. I expect that to change in in the coming years, but for right now, I wouldn't say that three on three is bad. I love the three on three. I think it's still the most exciting hockey that you're going to get. It's better than the shootout when the game ends in uh, in in three on three overtime. I, I I would caution that yeah, like I like that the game ended today in three on three versus going to the shootout. Would have rather have seen a Hawks win, but still, I I, I think that the reason you're seeing that against the Blackhawks here is is more of a product of the Blackhawks just not having the horses to go win that race. Um, and just a better statistical chance for, for Dallas to win that game if they wait Bedar out uh, because there's not much behind him there uh, that's as dangerous. And so that's what you're, you're going to see and that's what you're going to get. Hopefully that doesn't become a theme. But sort of to me, when you see this, it's like, okay, the book is out here. This is how we can effectively beat them. And that sort of leaves a bad taste in my mouth going forward for any games that the Hawks are able to take to overtime. But again, if you have the puck – uh, on your stick, you can control the game. That's what Dallas did there in overtime, and uh, just so happens that uh, the Hawks fall in this one. Yeah, and Tony, I, I think with with the strategy that you bring up, right, the wait out Bedard method, I, I think it could take us down a whole nother rabbit hole, and I think I'm going to put a bookmark in it. But at least to to prime what the the conversation becomes is, well, maybe how many of these guys do they keep around to become depth? as they fill out with better players up at the top. So you push some of that depth down your lineup and balance things out a little bit more. You know, a guy like Jason Dickinson, a guy like Nick Felino, right? They're, they've been in the, the news and been reported that, you know, at least in Felino's case, that he would love to talk an extension with the Blackhawks. And in, in Dickinson's case, I think people are making the argument because he's kind of having a breakout season as a Blackhawk. Is he worth keeping around for the, you know, at least somewhat distant future on, on some type of extension, maybe a, a two or a three year deal tone. Um, but nonetheless, we'll put a bookmark in that because from this game, Tony, my takeaways, you alluded to some of yours with the overtime, uh, but kind of a close, but no cigar field of this one. They, they, they didn't have a lot of fight, right? They, they got those two goals quick and took that two, nothing lead. They roar back to force overtime and it just wasn't enough because Dallas ultimately was the better team. But I think that for me, Tony asks two questions. Is this the hashtag TWTW or are these just slow starts for this team? Like what version are we getting? Oh, they push back late because they have that that will to win and then the grit. Or is it no, they just get off to a really bad start and then they're like playing catch up like a kid that missed three days of school because he was sick and you got to turn in all your homework on time. Also, you know, final I, thought to tone a guy that you love, Peter yeah, Morazic, continues to look great. Yeah, I'm I'm loving Peter Mrazek right now. I'm glad you brought that up. Thought he had another great game. Uh, it's interesting to see them go uh, Mrazek in, in back-to-back games here after the uh, Arvid Soderblom collapse uh, that we saw on that uh, horrendous Saturday night uh, just a week ago. Um, man, the the question that you asked here is it the TWTW or is it just horrendous starts? I think you you can mix in a little bit of both. But again, I'll go back to the same thing. This is a young, inexperienced team, so you're going to have stretches of hockey that just look not good. And 
other teams are going to be able to take advantage of that. It feels right now, at least as as I'm getting ready to watch all of these games, like we're going in against teams that are better than us every single night. And so wins wins inherently taste sweeter and the victories are our victory beers taste great. But the the losses to some of these, it's it's really easy to find reasons why they lost games because there are stretches of play that are just not up to par with with some of these other NHL teams. So for me, when when you see that sort of TWTW, those late stretches, these pushes, I just want to see that consistent through 60 minutes, um, whether it's, uh, you know, great stretches from the defense to hold off uh, your opponent or it's uh, the Hawks are able to actually control the puck in the zone. It still feels like most of the time the Hawks are, are sort of getting into the opponent's zone um, trying to get a shot off or when they're, when they're trying to move the puck around that they don't wind up with a great offensive chance. When you watch Dallas tonight, they were able to move the puck with ease, pick their scoring chances and sort of create some chaos around the net do some effective things. I like the Hawks strategy today of dumping the puck in a little bit more, but it didn't lead to the offensive chances that you want because they were just beat to the puck. It felt like way too often. So is it the TWTW? I think there's a little bit of that, but again, I think a lot of this comes back to just inexperienced lower talent level. It's just a lower skill level than what you're seeing with some other teams. Yeah, 100% well said, Tone. Uh, so that kind of wraps up this one. 5-4 loss in overtime to the Dallas Stars. As we noted, the Hawks stay in Dallas, and we'll get to that here at the end of the show uh, after this one for yet another game. Tony, let's dive into some of the news surrounding this team as well that was very relevant coming into this game against the Dallas Stars. It's the good old injury report. The thing that, if you haven't watched the latest episode of Four Feathers, was turned into a Christmas carol, in case you didn't know. Um, but in this case... Uh, this one, it, it ruins some of the continuity, so it's a little harder to do. So we'll just go ahead and read through it here real quick. Joey Anderson is still on IR with that left shoulder injury. Um, Athanasiu is might as well not even exist on this team because there's still no return timeline, uh, and that is no change from our Forgot last show. Forgot that guy well. existed. Right? Like, people would be like, who's 89? And it's like, oh, yeah, Athanasiu signed a two-year deal, and he's just, uh, just disappeared. Vanished vanished no timetable yet on that groin injury for him uh seth jones we should see him out or out through the end of the 2023 calendar season uh we should see him on that road trip to start the year at some point obviously hall is out for the season korchinski he's back um after the death of his father so he's back in game action uh but the newest one tone tonight taylor radish left this game early um a lower body injury uh Chad Luke Richardson, good old CLR here saying, hopefully he's okay, but we'll check on him tomorrow. Uh, it's lower body, really no update besides that at this point for him. Uh, Jared Tenorti returned as expected on December 5th, uh, or pardon me, December 22nd, that is. He went on IR on December 5th against Montreal. Uh, and then Mr. Vlasic also returned uh, at the game that we were at, Tony. Any thoughts on the injury report before we dive into that overtime winner at the UC on Wednesday night? You know, Ron, this injury report is still just not uh, what you want to see as a Blackhawks fan. Obviously, we've talked enough about Hall. I going to see you, Jones, over the past couple of episodes. Uh, the one name that you really want to see come back is is Seth Jones. And as you gave everybody here an update, uh, should see him shortly after the new year. Hopefully, that's uh, – 
that timetable doesn't change. He's just been a stabilizing force on the defense. I've po- posted this a couple of times on X. I really miss, miss Seth Jones on the blue line here for the Blackhawks. Um, it just, what did you he, say, he's that, he's that veteran guy. I miss Seth Jones. I miss Seth Jones so much right now. I love that. I, I think, you know, you, you look at today's overtime. Seth Jones is a guy that's going to potentially be out there and, and he's could change the game a little bit. Um, there's, there's so many applications to this. Um, it's time to appreciate Seth Jones in his absence is what I'm saying, Ron. I love that so much, Tony. It's a drum I've been beating a bit this season. I think it's time that we need to give Seth Jones some real more love and we are pretty lucky to have him. When you have that kind of workhorse on the blue line, maybe if he's not the most skilled or the most whatever, but you've seen it before, right? They had a workhorse in Duncan Keith. Obviously he was a great all around player, but it just goes to show you have that workhorse defenseman and it really changes things on your blue line. I'm there with you, man. I miss Seth Jones as well. Um, those number four jerseys looks like it might have to have two number fours in the collection tone. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see Ooh. there, but a, a guy in, in agreement with you uh, very dearly missed Tony. Let's talk about something we didn't miss though. We got to see the Connor Bedard overtime winner on Wednesday night. You and I in attendance had a great time. We checked in with each other in between periods. As everybody knows, we all sit in different sections uh, of the 300 level, specifically where the Hawks shoot twice, because that's the best place to sit. Tony, let's relive it. He's so good. He's so good, Tony. Yes, he is, Ronald. Yes, he is. I can hashtag confirm that. I'm not on a safari right now like you have been known to go on, um, but we'll address the elephant in the room. Connor Bedard is fucking amazing. And, you know, Ron, I know that uh, there's going to be a ton of firsts in this kid's career, and that's one of the reasons why I personally purchased a season ticket plan was to go out and watch these things, and you did as well. And so far, I feel like I've gotten value out of that just from a fan experience, uh, being here to witness some of these moments that are really cool to see. Um, I was there for the uh, Kevin Korchinski, Connor Bedard connection to end it. Uh, what was that on Black Friday? I was um, there with you as well. That game was fantastic. I feel like this one was right up there with it. Um, two great, great hockey games that uh, wound up Blackhawk winners in OT, uh, both off the stick of young Blackhawks players who are going to be part of this franchise going forward. I want to talk just a little bit about the impact that's going to have on these guys going forward. I think that that is huge for the development of both of these players. Mm. Prime minutes in overtime, uh, seeing success early in their careers at the NHL level uh, and winning hockey games themselves. That is what you want to see. And that's a, that's a check mark in the development boxes for both of these players. Um, Just really cool that we got to be there for both of them, Rod. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. I'll be honest, Tony. I I think that Black Friday game is going to be the first – the first ranking one for me all year, I think because it was Toronto, because it was an incredible crowd that day, just the, the, the battle back they had to come back and win that game, everything together. And then like you said, you also had a hat trick in that game too. Right. 
a Jason Dickinson hat trick, which is electric in itself. So it just goes to show that one for me is going to rank number one, but a close one a is a hundred percent Connor Bedard finishing it off for those that didn't see the game or just want to relive it in your brain. As we discuss it here, um, Connor Bedard early in the game, Hawks came out kind of flat shots on goal was dominated by the Winnipeg jets. And at the end of it though, uh, between the end of the first 20 minutes, Connor Bedard strikes first, uh, really just battling to the front of the net. I think he got three of his uh, four shots on goal I needed for a bet, Tony, within that one play alone, fed by Connor Murphy, gives the Hawks the lead. Unfortunately, Barron comes back. Morgan Barron gives the Winnipeg Jets the tie 1-1, and uh, nothing else happened, Tone, until OT. Hawks did storm back in the third, 12 shots on goal. They doubled their shot total from the first two periods in that third period. And then everybody knows the rest. Connor Bedard through the neutral zone into the offensive end. Two defensemen and a forward trailing him. Hellebuck has the angle cut off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. A little shimmy of the angle of his stick and a nasty wrister gives the Hawks the 2-1 victory in overtime. What an electric moment on Wednesday night, Tom. I love the way you call those things, Ron. The, the little shimmy, just everything. We gotta get we gotta get ourselves on playback TV, Ron. What do you think? I think that's an incredible idea, and I think everybody that listens along this should join us. And uh, when we get ready to pull that off, Tony, we'll, we'll want everybody to join us for the fun uh, of effectively calling a game and talking through everything going on for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, the two goals for Bedard were his 14th and 15th of the season. Um, incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, first goals I got to see of Connor Bedard in person, which was uh cool and tough. Ooh. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, can't beat that. It was it was it was special town. Um, unfortunately, though, before that game, Tony, it was more of the same losses to the blues, as you noted, the terrible blown lead. Um, soda soda bomb did not have a good game. They were up five two, you lose seven five, and then that five two loss to Montreal, just a block game and a bad showing on NBC5, as that was one of those shared broadcasts. Uh, other quick notes here, Tony, before we uh we get into the, the fun of the show, right? The we're gonna ruffle some feathers and, and discuss some salt shaker here. But the line blender for this game on Friday, for those that maybe didn't recall the lines, it was Felino and Kurashev back up with Bedard. Uh and then Johnson, Radish on that second line. Felino, Dickinson, Blackwell getting some action as well. Beauvillier popping up to the second line. Uh, quite a few notable changes in this one. Um, and it sparked them a little bit, but ultimately didn't matter in the end. World Juniors, Tony. Uh, we've seen it most of the week. It's been all over the highlight reels. USA has been yes. fucking on fire. Frank Nazar is a bad dude. He's been really good for USA. He's been their 2C on that um, World Juniors team. Uh, for Slovakia, your favorite player, I think, Tony, forever and ever, Adam Guyon with the shutout for his home country, and that all started on Monday on Boxing Day the 26th. So that is still ongoing. Uh, NHL Network, you can catch all of that good stuff over there. The early games, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of early mornings, but if you're going to be up early, tune in some hockey while you eat your Cheerios or whoever else it is that you make for yourself for breakfast. Tony. Any thoughts there before we get into ruffling some feathers? You know, I just loved getting to see some some guy on in action uh, the other day. Just an impressive uh, shutout there in the World Juniors. Uh, I woke up, saw the highlights. Just a, a great way to wake up in the morning, Ron. 
And as you had mentioned, you know, making Cheerios, whatever, not a breakfast guy here. Uh, I like, you know, highlights for breakfast and those were a, a nutritious way to start the day for me. Absolutely. It, it I think gave a, you and I some discussion that we had internally about the future of potentially Guyon and Camesso uh, being the goalies here in the next year or two for the Chicago Blackhawks. Guyon a little further away probably than Camesso, obviously, who is seeing majority of the starts down in Rockford. Tony, it's time to ruffle some feathers. I'm Are gonna you going to ruffle right with, feathers? Yes, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. And I'm going to stay yeah. right with the goalies, Ron. I'm staying right with the goalie topic. I am going to advocate for potentially extending or offering Peter Mrazek another year or two. Yes, right here, oh. right now, we're going to talk about this. Arvid Soderblom has done nothing to show that he can bridge the gap to Drew Camasso and, and Guyon. There's going to be a period of time where you're hearing rumors now of big potential trades, free agent acquisitions, Coming to Chicago, you know, so, so you, you know what I'm talking about, Ron, and you've got something coming on on ontapsportsnet.com on this very topic. But if you follow Spit and Chicklets, you know that there's names that are being thrown around. You're gonna need somebody to play goalie, and right now, are you riding into next year with Arvid Soderblom as an NHL option? I am not. He's done nothing to show you that he's going to take that next step forward. So you're going to need somebody to play goaltender. The Hawks have played some good hockey in front of Peter Mrazek. You've seen him sort of step up. If he continues on this trajectory, why not? He's going to be cost-friendly for you. Uh, he's a little older. He's a veteran. He's been with this team. He's been with the organization. Hey, you, you need somebody to, to give you some starts and goal while you're getting ready for these guys? Why not? Give me some more Peter Mrazek. I'm, I'm ruffling my own feathers here, probably ruffling your feathers a little bit, Ron. But I know when Johnny listens to this, he's going to say, what the fuck is Tony saying? But I, I don't know what else to do here, Ronald. I like good goaltending. Peter Mrazek has grown on me um, as a Blackhawks fan this year with his play. I think he's deserving of something. And maybe you can work some sort of deal out with him to be very cost-effective and not impede anything while you wait for like you said, Drew Camasso to take that next step, come up. But right now I am out on Arvid Soderblom completely until we see any semblance of trying to win a hockey game and not looking like Swiss cheats. Yes, as he as he looks over at Four Feathers Pod on the socials with the Swiss cheese body and the Blackhawks goalie gear tone, that's 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 ruffling some feathers. That ruffled my feathers a little bit. Like you're almost convincing me that Peter Morazic is going to become more than just a two-year wonder with the Blackhawks. Maybe get a second contract with this team. A guy that people are going to talk about for years and years. Do you remember Peter Morazic and goal for like three or four years with this team? That would be uh, quite the feather ruffle indeed. Um, Tony, I'm going to I'm gonna ruffle some feathers as well. Kind of along the Go same lines of what you're doing here with what do we do with these guys going into next season? Because, yes, we're in the current state of mind with this hockey team, but we are always thinking to the future, especially during a rebuild. Tony, I ask the question. I pose the question. Do you trade or extend Jason Dickinson? Because right now, 
you could make the argument either way, right? He's, Are you asking me this question, or do you have you have more to more to say? I, well, I I have thoughts, but I am also asking you this, giving you some time to ponder on this for a second, because here's my thoughts. Go ahead. He is having a career best season. Twelve goals is a career high for this guy. He's still pretty prime age as a hockey player, right? Like this isn't some guy who's, you know, been around. He's thirty five or something like that. Jason Dickens is twenty eight. He's in the prime of his career. If he could be a meaningful role player that's now clearly taking a, a leadership role in this team, you see him wearing the A with Jones out of the lineup. Is he worth keeping around being that swing 2C that's a really good 3C and maybe gets some power play time and you know becomes kind of this, this shooter that the team never knew they had in their back pocket for some depth scoring as this team gets better? Or do you capitalize on his value like this team did uh, with Brandon Hagel, who's still been pretty good with the Tampa Bay Lightning? Let's be completely candid here. But they took advantage, got two first-rounders out of Tampa, plus Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuko are still at least somewhat meaningful pieces in this puzzle at the current moment. You can make the argument either way that Kyle Davidson could go. I, I guess I ask you, Tone, is – which do you do, and what do you think that means for the direction of this team? Is it is it time to build with some of the guys that have fit in here well? Or is it time to just continue to sell until it's all farm kids getting ready to come to the NHL? Here's where it becomes real complicated, Ron, because if you're Kyle Davidson and you're looking at this, sure, you can move Dickinson and a couple of these other guys, but what are you going to acquire? couple of second, third round picks. What do the Hawks have a surplus of? Draft picks. Do you really need more to supplement what you're going to have coming in, in that wave of players? Or, as you said, is it time to start to build around some of the guys who are here, establish long-term relationships around the organization, and, you know, I hate to use the word again because it's become sort of a meme in the, in the city of Chicago, but some continuity with some of the guys. <laughs> I'm being serious. I know you are. I know. You I are. think I think with Dickinson, like, here's the hard part. Would you rather have like a Hagel or, or a Dickinson right now? Would you rather have extended Max Domi and brought him back? Um, you know, you can make the argument around some of these guys, but sometimes the best asset is the one, you know, and you've been working on the development of X player, as you said, 28 years old, he's not over the hill. He can still provide you three or four years of some really solid hockey. When are the Hawks going to be a competitive team? I don't think it's going to be next season. I don't think that they're going to be the juggernaut that you would expect them to be just next year. There's there's a large leap that you need to take, but you're still going to need to bridge the gap. If you're Kyle Davidson, it really comes down to looking at the market of, of free agents and, and who might be available via trade and say, can you get another guy in here like a Dickinson who can be a 2C, 3C guy and you know continue down this path of putting up points or if you've evaluated him enough to know this could be an aberration, it, it's just, you know, he's having a career year, let's sell high on him. It, you really have to make that evaluation really right now and decide not only on him, but a couple of these other guys too. Like, what are you going to do 
with a, a Radish or, or a Blackwell, some of these other guys who are, are sort of fringe, they show flashes. But I always try and take a step back, Ron, because we're so close to this. We watch it night in, night out. You develop attachments to some of these guys. Obviously, Bedard's in a whole different class. But everybody else in this forward group could potentially be gone by the time the Blackhawks sniff the playoffs. So if you really love uh, a Jason Dickinson and you want him to be a guy that's around this club, yes, obviously you go and extend him uh, right away. If you trade him, my worry is you have already have so many of these second-round picks that you're going to wind up um, just – stack too much there, but you can trade those assets as well too. So I, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, Ron. I really don't think there's a, a wrong answer and that that's good for this team right now. There is no wrong answer. You can take it either way. I am personally, if as a fan, I would say go extend Dickinson. I like watching him play. He's a reason I want to show up to the UC. He's a guy I like to put, uh, you know, $5 on to score each night. Um, you know, as, as we're making our bets pregame, Ron, because he's finding the back of the net a lot. So fan favorite, yes, but I'm still not 100% sold because you have to take a step back. What's the right thing to do here? And I don't think there's a wrong answer to it. If you find a team that's going to give you uh, a second-round pick or something of that essence for Dickinson and the market dictates that it's a necessity to move on from him, you're not going to miss out on a playoff spot this season by moving some of these guys. And uh, Davidson did a very good job last season of, of acquiring draft capital. I, I would say, hey, maybe move that draft capital down a year or two, maybe not next season's draft, you know, start to stack for the future. I know that's a long-winded answer, but again, there's no wrong answer here, dude. No, and I I love that you went in depth as much as you did, Tony. Um, and I kind of want to know what our listeners think as well. Uh, you guys can be like our boy Skokes here in the comments. We'll show yours. Join the conversation, X. You listeners, you can join the conversation too. It's not just YouTube and Facebook anymore. So join in the conversation. We can feature your comments here and discuss them live on the show. Skokes says he's late, but he hates losing in overtime. We completely agree, Skokes. Uh, this was a tough one, but. We got one more feather to ruffle. And this one is just an honorary one for Johnny because the four feathers posts uh, said it all for him without having to say it. Johnny's ruffling some feathers is the reaction on the four feathers pod account to the American Airlines Center playing Chelsea Dagger after the Dallas Stars won tonight. This These two teams play again in 48 hours, Tony. That that's that's a that's a that there should be some mental note taking there. Yes. Uh, for yes. the Blackhawks of, hey, they're mocking you in your, you know, in their own building. You got a chance to come back and punch them in the mouth on Sunday. It's time to do it. I think it's very well deserved for the Hawks to come out and, you know, maybe run up the score a little bit on them. Like this should be very insulting. Um, especially after you just had Connor Bedard, you know, in front of the home crowd. Uh, as we were there talking about how it feels like home and he really loves it in Chicago, which I thought was a really, really fucking cool moment um, just as a fan to sit there and, and hear him say that because there's been so much salt, Ron, so much salt about so much. 
you know, Connor Bedard doesn't deserve to play in Chicago and he hates there. He wants to go back to all the, the nonsense that you will see as you scroll a certain app on your phone that comes from, you know, fan bases that are not located in Chicago. So much salt. And then you hear Bedard, you know, just sort of be taken aback by uh, the Chicago crowd who sticks around, um, you know, as he uh, earns the number one star in that game. But when you play the Chelsea dagger after beating the Blackhawks in OT, you know exactly what you're doing. That was, that was a, that was a direct hit. Um, there has to be a response for it. And the best way to do that is embarrass them in front of their, their home fans on new year's Eve and leave a bad taste in their mouth going into 2024. If there's no exceptions there, go fuck them up. I don't think myself or Johnny could, uh, could say it any better, sir. Well said indeed. And yeah, salt shaker. There was one. We got him. Ha got him, uh, at 63 champs on the old, uh, X app. Hawks don't deserve them. That team stinks. All of the salt, indeed. Tony is our salt shaker for this show. Almost like that guy never heard of a rebuild before. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's people that haven't heard a lot of things that exist in this world. Tone, uh, any stick taps for this show for you, Mister Marchese? Stick taps, Ron. Stick taps to uh, to you for setting up this uh, Four Feathers podcast post game show, um, taking me back a little bit. So I, I've I've loved the feel. We've gotten to talk. Uh, in real time uh, after a game. I know I was a little late, but six taps to you for, for sticking it out through, uh, you know, the waiting period that uh, that comes with trying to do a podcast with myself. So um, tap it on the board there for you a couple of times, Ron. It's it's an adventure worth taking. And I think all of our, our ONTAP uh, personnel, as well as uh, the friends and, uh, and fans of the brand, We'll all agree that uh, it's very much an adventure, but it's a fun one indeed. Uh, Tony, uh, appreciate it. Obviously, no Johnny Nani for us tonight. Uh, we miss Johnny. He will be back on our next show. We'll be very excited to talk to him and talk more Blackhawks with him at that time. Tony, my stick taps. It's Flashback Friday. We went with the kind of the retro look background here for StreamYard today and for our stream with kind of the, the old school look and the very blocky very simple look because that's flashback Friday tone and all over NBC sports, Chicago plus they've been most memorable games of the Chicago Blackhawks Uh, today. For example, was game six, of the 2015 Stanley cup championship, Duncan Keith, Patrick Kane, Hawks lift the cup at the UC. It was a good one. It was, it was nice nostalgia. It was a flashback Friday town. Uh, so I was feeling very inspired setting up this stream yard tonight. Uh, that's my stick tap. Go check those out. They're fun, man. Like it, the nostalgia is still fun. People, the Blackhawks want you to know that they love you and they appreciate you. And they want you to remember the good and there's good coming. Bedard's Bedard's here and they're, they're doing good things. I think we can like the direction where things are going despite an OT loss today. Um, but in, electric overtime winner on Wednesday. Tony, what's on tap next? Well, as we mentioned, you're still in Dallas. This title of this episode, going to Dallas for the new year because Blackhawks for a second straight game will be in Dallas at American Airlines Center to take on the Stars. That is a 7 o'clock start on New Year's Eve this coming Sunday. Um, You can find that over at NBC Sports Chicago. 
And then on Tuesday, into the new year, they are at Nashville. That's a 7 o'clock start on Tuesday night. That'll be on NBC Sports Chicago Plus. Um, and then we'll be back with you most likely Wednesday of next week. We'll talk through those two games from uh, the early part of the week. We'll also look ahead then to the back-to-back games on Thursday and Friday on the East Coast with the Rangers and Devils, respectively. Those are both 6 o'clock start times in the Central Time Zone. Tony. Always a pleasure, sir. Final thoughts for the listeners before we get out of here. Final thoughts. Great to be on here on a Friday night, having a couple two tree uh, adult beverages with you talking Blackhawks hockey, Ron. Um, just more electric Connor Bedard stuff this week. And that's why, you know, sometimes we have to issue a Connor Bedard watch. And, uh, you know, it's it's just been really fun to see him grow as a player right in front of your eyes. Uh, I'd be remiss if we uh, left this episode without talking about him pulling off the Michigan um, on uh, that, that Saturday night game that most people don't want to talk about, but uh, you know, just making a poster out of Jordan Bennington is cool and tough. (laughs) It's very cool and tough. Um, I just like many people were celebrating Christmas with, uh, you know, extended family members and, um, you know, had the Hawks game on and, uh, found myself in a position where everybody's asking me like, well, you know, what was that? How's this? What's, what's going on here? Um, just, a, an awesome moment. Um, I know it was one of two Michigan goals scored on the night, but, uh, you know, just, it leads to so much content and so many eyes focused, on Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. And I think that's really cool, especially over a holiday weekend. That's sort of a prime time game. If you look at it that way, um, you know, because it gets people talking through Christmas about, you know, did you see what Connor Bedard did? And I, I think that that happened in many households throughout the Chicago land area. We don't get many moments to celebrate super pissed off that they wind up losing that game. I think at one point I, I was telling my family, you know, even though we're up by a couple goals, I've seen this story with this team a couple times, like they're potentially going to lose this by two or three goals and it's going to get really ugly. And it did. And, you know, that led people in my family to be like, wow, how did you know that it's going to get that bad? Well, Ron, we, we watch this team almost every single game that they play and we talk about them and, um, you know, you can sort of feel that, but just the fact that Connor Bedard got all that attention comments from Wayne Gretzky about, you know, how great of a play and just the skill level of Connor Bedard um, is already at his age. It's not something that, uh, you know, we should take for granted as Blackhawks fans, because there's going to be so much more of that. Um, we sat on this show for years, you know, you watch the Blackhawks to see, you know, Patrick Kane and this generational talent. We have the opportunity to watch another one that's been on full display so far this season. Um, so it's great to come on here on a Friday night with you and talk about stuff like that. But that's my final thought, Ron, uh, as we ride out, out into the Friday night, cheers, my friend, let you give your final thought. We'll get out of here. Yeah. Cheers to you, Tony. Uh, well said, right. I, I think it's unfortunate that game because of how it ended. We, we can't be as celebratory about, you know, at least in our minds, right. I think it's, you keep pushing forward, right. Win games. And that was just such a tragic loss, but you got to appreciate the cool moments that happened in them. And then Michigan was certainly that. And then Trevor Zegers did it also that night, which was bananas. Like, could you imagine that the odds on something like that, we'd have to calculate that with the on tap bets boys, but that would be insane to bet 
Two Michigans are going to happen in the same night. No chance. It was absolutely unreal. Uh, Tony, my final thoughts to the listeners, to you. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, We'll be back with you guys after the new year for our next show. Uh, Still plenty of Blackhawks hockey on the horizon. Lots of content from the UC. Lots of content from Four Feathers uh, and so many more things coming after the new year. We'll see you in 2024. Um, And we wish everybody a safe New Year celebration, but also uh, a lot of fun and and spend time with those in your life that you care about the most. Tony, as well, again, reminding everybody, ontapsportsnet.com, at ontapsportsnet on the socials, at Four Feathers Pod. Follow us everywhere. Like, subscribe, hit the bell button. You know the drill on all the platforms, and we will see you guys very soon after the new year. Tony, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.